Well, hello, my name is Dwayne Spearman, and welcome to Directional Bible Ministries, a teaching ministry that is called to encourage, disciple, and challenge the people of God. It's been a while since I've done this. Matter of fact, we were meeting every single morning for uh, man, uh, 40 weeks, I believe, uh, going through the book of Acts together. Uh, there are 40 sessions there, and uh, of course, you can find all of those. Um, you can find the audio um, versions of those studies uh, here on um, my blog, duanespearman.org, uh, or you can watch the, uh, the videos on the YouTube channel. Uh, there's 40 of them here, so plenty there. Uh, today, what I wanted to do, just come back just a little bit and talk about a subject that I have um, been struggling with uh, since I arrived at um, my mid-Acts um, or Acts 2 position on the birth of the church. And of course, um, if you don't understand what I'm talking about there, I'd encourage you to go through the Acts study uh, where we talk about that. Uh, so I went ahead and published this on the website. It's not long, and today I'm just going to go over part one with you. Um, and my question was, where are we told in the scripture that we are to be baptized? Where are we, where are we told that? Is it required for salvation? As some do teach today, uh, proponents of baptismal regeneration uh, will say that you have to be baptized uh, to be saved. Uh, or is it just required for obedience, as others say today? Uh, that was my position for many years. Uh, I reject categorically the doctrine of baptismal regeneration, but I would say you don't have to be baptized to be saved, but you have to be baptized to be obedient. Um, well, as you look back, there's two primary arguments, and I'm going to go over uh, one of them today. Uh, most denominations start their first argument for baptism uh, in Matthew chapter number 3. Verse number 1, they will point to the Gospels, um, and they will use this as the basis for uh, their view of baptism. Now, if you've been following along with me any length of time, you know by now that um, I strongly believe there is nothing other than principle in the Gospels for the body of Christ today. There was no body of Christ in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, even the first several chapters of the book of Acts. Uh, this is all Old Testament. It is not New Testament. Hebrews makes it very clear that a New Testament cannot begin until the death of the testator. So Jesus um, had to die in order for a New Testament or a new covenant to be made. Um, and of course, that's a whole other study. <laughs> uh, that covenant, that testament, we don't live in it. Uh, the Jews rejected it. Um, so you'll immediately recognize that since we are in the gospel here, uh, that um, to go here 
to justify something in the body of Christ, uh, you're already losing ground. Uh, but this is where most <clears throat> denominations will go. In those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is in hand. Again, you've been following along. There is a dis- difference between the gospel of the kingdom that the apostles Jesus, John the Baptist, preached than the gospel of grace that was given to the apostle Paul. There's a difference. Um, the gospel of the kingdom was exclusively for the nation of Israel. Um, So it started with repent, for the kingdom of heaven is hand. Those were the first words out of John the Baptist's mouth. Those were the first words out of Jesus' mouth. Those were the words that the apostles were told to preach. Repent for the kingdom of heaven. Not a spiritual kingdom, but a physical kingdom was going to come. Uh, The Davidic, the Abrahamic covenants, they were all going to be fulfilled in Jesus if the nation of Israel would repent. For this is he that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. And the same John had his raiment of camel's hair, uh, and a leathern girdle about his loins, and his meat was locust and wild honey. Then he went out to Jerusalem and all of Judea and all round the Jordan and were baptized of him in Jordan, Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and the Sadducees come to his baptism, he said unto them, O ye generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bring forth, therefore, fruits meet for repentance. And again, I would encourage you to go back and listen to the book of Acts, read the book of Acts. It's on my written studies. You can do the audio studies, the video studies. The wrath that was to come was a was a, a looking forward to the tribulation period, uh, which should have already happened had the nation of Israel repented. There was no way around the tribulation period, in my opinion. It had had to happen. Even if the nation had repented, uh, the tribulation period would have had to have happened. Uh, Daniel's Daniel's 70th week would have had to have been fulfilled. And he says, bring forth, therefore, fruits meet for repentance. In other words, therefore, bring forth, therefore, in lieu of the wrath that's about to come, you need to be doing fruits uh, that are worthy of repentance. And think not to say within yourselves, ye have Abraham to your father. For I say unto you that God is able to raise these stones of children unto Abraham. And now also the axe is laid unto the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree that bringeth forth uh, not good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Now, again, for years I preach sermons to the body of Christ. Sure, there's principle here for the body of Christ. God wants us to bring forth good fruit. Uh, But casting into the fire and hewn down, that's Israel language um, in, in the text here. Yeah, there's a hell, no doubt about it. But Christ, uh, John the Baptist, was not talking to the body of Christ. He was talking to the nation of Israel. And he said, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. But he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I'm not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. 
whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor and gather his wheat into the garner, but he will burn up the chafe or the chaff with unquenchable fire. So, so again, most denominations and me for many years will go to Matthew chapter number three to justify baptism for the body of Christ. Unfortunately, what they and I failed to see is that there are actually three baptisms spoken of in these verses, and only one of them uh, involves water, and that's the baptism of repentance. Only one of them involves water. In these verses, John says that he was baptizing them with water, but one would come after him who would baptize them with the Holy Ghost and with fire. That is three baptisms right there, and they are not all the same. They are unique. They are distinct. So, who is John? Who was John baptizing? He was baptizing Jews. He was preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He was preaching exclusively to the Jews. Jesus told his disciples, do not go into the way of the Gentiles. Um, Jesus, John, the apostles were exclusively to the house of Israel preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And they did what was called the baptism of repentance. They were repenting um, um, and turning to God, expecting the kingdom, uh, the, the kingdom of heaven to come. Um, however, he says that Jesus, the one who would come after him, the one that was mightier than he was, he wasn't going to baptize him with water. He was going to baptize him with the Holy Ghost, and he was going to baptize them with fire. Now, when was the house of Israel baptized with the Holy Ghost? Pentecost. At Pentecost, in Acts chapter number 2, for those who repented at the preaching of Peter, they were baptized with the Holy Ghost. And of course, it was followed by signs and wonders. That happened at Pentecost. Now, when were they to be baptized with fire? Now, the context makes it very clear that the fire baptism that is spoken of here is not a good thing. It's not a good thing. It speaks of judgment. Um, notice the colon that follows. He will baptize you with the Holy Ghost, comma. That separates it from the fire. They're two different baptisms. It's not one and the same, as our charismatic brethren would like for us to believe. They're different. And one of them is not good. And with fire. Um, notice the colon right there. That colon at the end of verse number 11. Uh, a colon is used to explain. A colon is used before explanations or reasons. And the reason he's going to baptize him with fire, or what that is, is his fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor and gather his wheat into his garner, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. So that's the definition of the fire, and it speaks of judgment. 
Again, it's not speaking of the baptism with fire that many love to talk about today. The fire spoken of in this verse looked to the tribulation that was to come after the nation had repented. So the water baptism John offered was for repentant Israel. The baptism in the Holy Ghost was for believing Israel who accepted Jesus as their Messiah in Acts chapter number 2 forward. Of course, the nation of Israel rejected their king and his kingdom, and um, this particular baptism does not happen that way today, but we'll get into that. And the fire would come on unbelieving Israel. So in these verses that we use to justify water baptism in the church today, we fail to see there are actually three baptisms here, and only one of them involves water. The other two involve the Holy Ghost and fire. And there are two baptizers here. It's John and Jesus. So which of these three are for the church Neither. Neither of them are for the church. This isn't about the church. It's not about you. (laughs) It's not about the body of Christ at this point. There is no body of Christ. The body of Christ, the mystery, was revealed to the Apostle Paul later in the middle of the book of Acts. So, next time we get together, the second argument for those who defend baptism, is they will point that Jesus was baptized as proof that we need to follow his example. So go ahead and study ahead there, and we'll cover that next time. God bless you guys. Hope that you have a great day, and uh, I plan on getting back into my studies. Going going to do a few topicals. Um, I'm currently uh, studying the book of Galatians and the book of Romans. I'm just all over the place. Um, they just seem to go hand in hand to me. Um, so in the meantime, I've been studying the issue of baptism. Um, and again, once you take a mid-acts position, once you move away from the tradition, and that's all it is, the tradition that the church was born in Acts chapter number two, it changes everything. It'll shake everything you've ever been taught. Um, and it will make you reevaluate those things, especially for a preacher and a Bible teacher like me who has taught through the Bible at church, college level um, for 35 plus years. It'll shake you to the foundations because now all of a sudden you realize that those sermons that you preached were not accurate at all. They may have been in principle, but they were nowhere near accurate in interpretation. So God bless you guys, and we'll get together and do this again. Hope you have a great day. Remember, God loves you, wants the best for you, and he's working all things out for your good.